0: to Thursday night. Turn to your neighbor and just say I'm so grateful that I sat next to you tonight. So grateful. (laughs) So cool. So cool. On a Thursday night, you could be anywhere but you are here. Hey, we are in a series called God still speaks. God still speaks. And we decided to do this series as a, as a group of um, staff members, as a group of pastors, because if we are honest about our lives right now, if you are honest about your life right now, um, you know that God speaks. I mean, you're sure that he speaks. But if you were honest, he's probably, you don't really sense him speaking to you right now. Or that maybe um, you feel like he's speaking to the special people. In the world, like his favorites, like he has like, you know, Joe Bob is his favorite, and Susie, and like life is awesome. They hear him all the time, but maybe he speaks to very specific, highly favored people, but he doesn't necessarily speak to you. Maybe you're feeling that way tonight. But the reality is, is that we serve a God who is a living God, and that he speaks to us on the regular. He speaks to us all the time. If we would only know what his voice sounds like and if we could only attune our ears to understand and to hear what he sounds like, there is a specific way that God speaks. The Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And because of that, his voice is consistent, his voice is constant, and his voice is clear. And if that's true for us, then we should learn the ways that God speaks, the phrases that he uses, the the particular way that he talks, his tone, his intonation. Because if we would know the way he talks, then we would be sure to hear him when he does speak. How many of you are mama's boys in here? Wave it round and proud. Oh, yes. Mama, mama's girls? Any mama's girls? OK, OK, OK. Growing up, I had a mother. Um, I still have a mother who is, uh, is fine. Um, She's alive. Um, it's fine. I still have a mom. And so, um, and so. but my mom was the most gracious. She is the most gracious human being I have ever met. Her words, my mom only knew how to speak in positivity. She only know how to speak in generosity. She only knows how to speak constantly kind, okay? My mom, growing up, she was not a gossip. And so, but she did, however, own a jazzercise studio, <laughs> And so she was around a lot of gossip, right? So, like, I remember growing up, like, my, like there would, we'd be at a PTA meeting or whatever, and my mom would combat gossip with encouragement. And so the girls would be like, oh, mm-mm-mm. Did you see that space at the bake sale? We have a bake sale today, by the way. Did you see the space at that bake sale? Teresa didn't bring her baked goods again. And did you know that she has a new girlfriend? Mm-mm-mm-mm. And, or a new boyfriend? <laughs> Whatever. It's gossip. It could be whatever, whatever they say. It um, could be a myriad of things. And, and uh, all untrue, by the way. And so my mom would walk in, and she'd be like, oh, Teresa. And this is legit. I watched her do it a couple of different times. She'd be like, oh, Teresa, yeah. Hey, I saw her downtown last week, and man, she, she got a new job. And can you believe it, man? She is just such a hard worker. And all the girls would be like, oh, yeah, Teresa's all right. she okay? Is she cool? You know, like nobody knew how to respond to my mom when she was encouraging in the face of negativity. This is how my mom always spoke. This is how my mom always talked. And yet at the Jazzercise studio, I remember one day I was sitting there like 10-year-old, 11-year-old, right? And somebody um, briefed out a statement, again, a little piece of gossip, a little bite of gossip that my mom uh, supposedly said about another human being. And it was something negative. And I remembered sitting there and hearing this, this, this phrase come out of this woman's mouth. And she said, well, Diane said X, Y, and Z. And I remembered sitting there and thinking to myself, my mom's incapable of saying something like that. She's actually, like, incapable of talking that way. And so that's not true. And I think when it comes to us as Christians, I knew the voice of my mom so well. That I knew exactly what she would say and I knew exactly what she wouldn't say. And I think for us as Christians, maybe this series about learning about God's voice, it is more about learning how he speaks and the way he speaks and the tones that he uses and the phrases that he uses. It is more about the things um, that we would tune our ear to the way that he talks so that we would know the moment that something is fraudulent and we would know, well, he is incapable of saying something like that. He is incapable of saying something condemning. He is incapable of saying something angry. He's incapable of that. And what I want to talk to you about tonight is this idea of God responding to us of God responding to us, and what does he sound like when we inquire of him, when we ask of him, and in a room this size, we have enough prayer requests probably to fill the wall, the willing wall um, in Jerusalem, right? Like, we have so many wants, we have so many prayers, we have so many needs, if we're just being honest, and how does God respond when we come to him with our prayers, and with our anguish, and with our cries, and with our wants, and with our asks, what does he sound like when he responds to us and so I titled tonight ask me anything if you are taking notes and I have two questions for you and the first thing is this if you are sitting here and you are breathing what are your questions for God right now what is your question for him right now and how do you think he will respond to you How do you assume he is going to respond to you? Let's bow our heads and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to be here. God, we thank you so much. God, we praise you because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are made in your image. We love you deeply. We love you profoundly. God, I ask that for every single person in here that you would be with them, that you would equip them, and God, that we would know what you sound like and that we would tune out all other voices. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everybody said Amen. All right. How many of you growing up were really, really good askers of your parents? Like you were like good connivers. You were good manipulators. Like if they were the Federal Reserve, you knew just how to get the money out. You know what I'm saying? Like you just knew like how to break in, right? You knew how. They thought they were in charge. They weren't in charge. You were actually in charge. You know what I mean? Like how many of you were good askers? And here's what I mean by this. Like. Like, you know, like maybe you you know that you want to ask for concert tickets and they're like 55 bucks and you're in high school and you got a part-time job, so like you don't have no money, right? And so you roll into the house and you could go something like this and you could be like, hey, mom and dad, hey, there's a concert coming up, 55 bucks, can I go? And they're like, what? No. You think I'm made of money? They're like, get out of my house. You know, like that's kind of how it goes. And so instead you're like, Oh, hey, mom and dad. Hey, hey, do you need help cleaning up after dinner? Okay, so awesome. How was your day? It was so good. Awesome. Wow. And mom, wow, your hair looks so great. By the way, cons are coming up, 55 bucks. And they're like, oh, honey, you just are a gem of a human being. And so, um, and so, yes, you know, you're a good asker. You're a good asker, Right. Growing up, I remember this is how I would approach my father. Like, there were rules, right? Like, you never asked your dad anything. I don't know if your dad was like, but you never asked your dad anything the moment he got in from work. Like, if you walked in, like, he walks in, and you're like, hey, dad, can I? He's like, no. You're like, all right. Like, you know, you just you just don't do it. Okay, so that was rule number one. Rule number two, I would, like, wait for him to be in a really good mood, you know? It was, like, after dinner, he's had food, he feels good. You know, or, like, or like if I cleaned out the garage or something, you know, he loved doing projects, so I'd, like, help him with the project, you know, and I would make sure that we had a lot of good interactions before I would ask for anything, and then I'd be like, oh, hey, Dad, can I borrow um, the riding lawnmower? We want to, like, use it to tow around all our friends at Halloween. You cool with that? You know, and like, <laughs> and he would be like, yeah, you know, because I knew how to ask, and now, uh, you know, I, as, as a, a few years later, I am on the receiving end of the asking. And I am a parent now, and I have two daughters. We have two daughters. And when they come to us, particularly our four-year-old, when she comes to us, she also asks, but it sounds a little different. Um, And she doesn't package it a certain way or try to figure out when's a good time to ask. Like, literally, I woke up this morning, and this is what I woke up to. Mommy, I need to go potty. And I was like, okay, cool, you know, and I'm, like, up. And, and, listen, like, Brooklyn, like, knows how to ask, but, like, she doesn't know how to ask, so she's just like, hey, Ma, this is breakfast. She's like, Mama, I want peanut toast, which is, like, toast with peanut butter on it. She's like, Ma, I want peanut toast, Mama, I want peanut. And I'm like, cool, 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 and I'm, like, halfway, like, getting her peanut butter toast ready, right? And then I, like, get, and then, or she'll be like, when it comes to food, she is, like, the persistent widow, right? Like, she's just like, I'm just going to, I'm just asking. And she's like, hey, Ma, I want fruit, but I want with yogurt, you know, I want fruit and yogurt. And I want the blue ball. Mom, I want the. This is legit. (laughs) She'll like, talk to me. So, and I'm like, and she's four. So it's, I mean, we're teaching her manners. It's fine. Um, but it's kind of hard, right? And so true story, we're at Einstein's. This is probably like two months ago. And, and I'm like, OK, baby, so we need to like order food. And then we're going you know, to order food. And then we're going to, um, but we got to order it first. Then you have to wait for like a little bit. And then you get the food. And she's like, I, I can do this. And I'm like holding her hand. She's like, cool, 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 cool. And then she's like, where's the food? And I'm like, well, we haven't ordered it yet. Um, <laughs> And she's like, Mama, where's... And she's like kind of squirming. She's like, where are my food? And I was like, ah, babe, it's like coming. You just got to chill. You just got to relax, okay? We got to order the food, baby. We got to order... You know, and she wiggles her hands away. And this is a true story. She like goes to the middle of, of the restaurant, sits down on the ground and goes, I want food! <laughs> and I literally, I looked at her and I go, oh my goodness, whose child is that? Wow, they need, like, parenting classes, right? Like, I was just like, someone help her. Like, it was just. (laughs) But there was such a difference, right? When it came to the way that my daughter would ask, there was, she felt safe enough to ask in such a way that she could lose her stuff in the middle of Einstein's and know that we were still cool. She was safe enough to know that she didn't need to package the way that she asked, that she didn't need to think about my mood before she asked, that she didn't need to come with, like, you know, a well-scripted, you know, a planned-out ask or a planned-out way that she's... She didn't, you know, think about good timing as far as when she asked. She just came and asked. And as I was thinking this week, I was like, my goodness, that is a beautiful way of asking because I think for every single human being in here, for every single kid, you either ask one way or the other. You ask timidly, unsure of the heart of the giver. Or you ask like a child, like, I have a question. I'm four. (laughs) And if you are a believer... The same is true for you. We either approach our father timid, unsure of how he is going to answer, or we approach him with some childlikeness. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew 7. Matthew 7, it is one of the Gospels, if you are a new believer. um, The Gospels are the life and the testimony of Jesus Christ And man, they are awesome, so chock full of beauty. So chock full of his goodness, and it says this, ask, this is verse 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which of you, if he has a son who asks him for bread, he gives him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, he gives him a serpent. If you then, um, who are evil, know how to give good gifts, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who Ask him. Uh, This verse, this statement is about how we are to ask. And literally, Jesus just says, you just ask. That's it. Um, No prequel, no sequel. You just ask. You do that's all that's all there is. That's all you ask, and then you receive. And this story or this, uh, this statement of Jesus is mirrored in the gospel of Luke, the Synoptic gospel. Synoptic means to see the same, optic to see, and then sin the same. And so Luke 11 tells the same kind of message, just a different way. And it's where the disciples are asking Jesus, how do we pray? And they see John, John the Baptist, and John the Baptist has disciples. And they're like, oh, John the Baptist's disciples are sweet. And John's teaching those dudes how to pray. So, you, you know, like how we are, where we're like, we see somebody getting some, and we want to learn that too, right? And so they're like, Jesus, John's disciples, God, we want it." And he's like, cool, I'm going to teach you how to pray. And this is what he says. This is how you should pray. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is how you should pray. And listen, it is an awesome prayer. But I think the disciples were stoked because it was a well-packaged, bullet-pointed prayer. I mean, you can acronym that sucker. You can put it up on prayer night and be like, okay, so number one, hallow his name. Number two, okay, I want you to make sure that you give thanks. Number three, make sure that you ask for forgiveness. I mean, this is the way that I would approach my dad as I would ask. For pizza money. I'd be like, hey, Dad. Um, hey, man, you look so good today. Um, yeah, wow. So grateful that you're the head of the home and that you lead our family so well. Praise God, right? And, um, and hey, thank you, for wor- thank you for working so hard to provide for us. And I know, forgive me on my sin. I left the hose out, but I will do better tomorrow. I will make sure it's in the garage. By the way, can I have pizza money? Right, like, like. I think the disciples are looking at this prayer and they are like, this is awesome. Because it feeds into our comfortability of a performance-based mentality with our Father. Hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive me. We're good. And then Jesus says, you want to know a little bit more about how you should pray? I want you to pray this way this is John, or I'm sorry, Luke 11, verse 5. It says this. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For I have a friend of mine who has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, don't bother me. The door is now shut and my children are in bed. I can't get up to give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up to give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. For what father among you, if his son asks for a fish instead of a fish, he gives him a serpent. Or if he asks for an egg, he gives him a scorpion. And if you then are evil and you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father know how to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him? And so we see Jesus going, okay, bullet points. You want bullet points? Here's some bullet points. Boom, 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 boom. And then he's like, now let me tell you a story. And he tells this story about a man who goes to his best friend's house and he's like got no food right because he's like a freeloader and he's like yo and he's like hey I've got a visitor who just came tonight and I need food can you help me and the guy's like no go away and he's like boom 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 you're my friend you you know we're friends we're best friends okay open the door give me the food I know you just playing let me in right and he's like boom 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 like nonstop, right and he says this, he says, yet because of his impudence, he will be answered. And that word impudence, listen, if the beginning part of Luke is a courteous, honoring prayer, impudence is the opposite of that. Impudence is rude, it is bold, and it is, it is careless almost. And he says, yet because of his impudence, he will be answered. When Jesus tells this story, it sounds a lot more to me like a four-year-old demanding or asking what they want than it does a 17-year-old Jesse asking for pizza money. Which rises the question, which one do we approach God with? Are your prayers packaged and really really well put together and you know just how to ask because you think that that's what the father needs he needs you to come you know completely put together so that you know the timing and you know just how to ask and you know the way to ask or do you just come and just say hey this is what I need because Jesus says that it's actually good for us to approach God this way And I know what you're thinking because I think it too. And we're like, well, I know that, you know, we're supposed to ask for God for things. um, But there's a way we're supposed to ask, right? So we're supposed to ask in the will of God. And we're supposed to ask um, with right motives. And we're supposed to ask in alignment with his will, even though we're not totally sure what that is. And so that's the way that we're supposed to ask. And yet Jesus tells a story about a dude who was bold and brash who asked like a four-year-old child for his wants. And he received exactly what he asked for. And it leads me to this thought that maybe, because of this story, maybe God just wants us to ask. Maybe he doesn't care how, what package it comes in. Maybe he doesn't care how it looks or what it sounds like or what we look or what we sound like. He just wants us to come. Maybe God actually enjoys being bothered by us, whatever it looks like. Maybe God just wants to be bothered. In Isaiah 62, it says this, On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have appointed watchmen. All day and all night they will never keep silent. You who remind the Lord... Take no rest for yourselves and give him no rest until he establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise on the earth. God so badly wants to be bothered by us that he appoints watchmen on the walls to bother him all day and all night. He so badly wants us to knock on the door. He so badly wants us to bug him. He so badly wants us to nag him that he appoints people to do it. And did you see that? He said, Give me no rest. Don't you rest and give me no rest. I would love to be bothered by you. And when I read Luke 11 and I read Isaiah 62, the only thing that I can compute, the only way I can reconcile this with a holy God is that God delights in us bothering him. That he delights in us nagging him and asking him and coming to him. And so what kind of prayers would you pray? If you knew that God delighted in you asking, I don't know what it looks like for you normally when you ask an authority figure in your world. Maybe um, there's like a tightness in their voice as they say yes. It's like a begrudging yes. It's like a, yeah, that's fine, you know. Or maybe for you it's, it's a gruff no from authority figures and from parents or from people that you've known or from the way that you perceive God. But God says this. He says, I delight In my children coming and asking. I delight in my children coming and bothering me. I cannot wait for my children to bother me because of this. Because I long to respond to them. Because I long to respond to them. And so, if we are going to know what the voice of our Jesus, the voice of our Father sounds like when we come to pray, then we need to know what his tone sounds like and what his posture is like and what his grace is like as we approach the throne. What is it? What is he? How does he sound? And he is delighted. And so there's a couple things I think we need to know about his voice as we ask God, what is, what, how does he respond to us so that we may know his voice when he hears us? And the first thing is this, God longs to respond to you, church. He longs to respond to you. In the book of Hosea, it's an Old Testament book, and it's about how God relates to his people. But it is based on a prophet pursuing his adulterous wife. And God says, just as a man pursues his adulterous wife, so I pursue people who have not been faithful to me. And he says this in uh, Hosea 2, verse 14. Therefore, I am now going to allure her. This is God talking to Israel or to his chosen people. I will lead her into the wilderness and I will speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards and I will make the valley of anchor a door of hope. There she will respond as in the days of her youth and as in the days that she came up out of Egypt. And then he says this, if you skip down to verse 21. And in that day... I will respond, declares the Lord. So God goes through all this trouble to get his people to come to the wilderness or to get this woman to come to the wilderness so that he can speak to her and he can woo her. And I don't know about you, but I felt very wooed by God when I got saved. I felt wooed by him. He says, therefore, I'm going to allure her into the wilderness. And he does all of this. Guys, I don't know what it's like for you. Hopefully, it's like this for you when you take girls out on a date. But you're like, girl, let's go out. And you like, make sure you've got the reservation unlocked and you've got the movie tickets unlocked. If you don't do this, you should do this. And so, you know, and you make sure it's all set. And you do all of this so you can lock eyes with her over dinner. God does 99% of the work just so we will look up and go, oh, hey. And then he says this, and then I will respond to her. He did all of this work just so he could talk to you and just so he could respond to you. And that word respond is the Hebrew word anna. And the word means to uh, speak, to uh, talk to, or to sing over. And I don't know what you think the voice of God sounds like. I know I've thought different voices um, were God's voice over, you know, myriads of time. And, and, and that maybe it was the right voice, maybe it was the wrong voice. But listen, um, God's voice is always consistent and it is always tender and it is always kind. God's voice is always clear and it is always kind. And the reason that I know this is because of the cross, The reason that I'm sure of this is because of the cross. God so desperately wanted to only speak favor and only speak blessing and only speak kindness over his people. So much so, the Father God wanted this so much so that he sent his son to die in our place and he would take out his entire anger and his entire wrath on the smothered body of Jesus just so that he could now come to us and eternally, it is a package deal. Every time you talk to the Father, the only way now he decides to talk to you and he can talk to you is a voice of kindness and love and generosity. And any other voice is a fraudulent voice. He says, therefore, I will speak tenderly to her. This is how our Father speaks to us, church, with kindness and with grace and any other voice. Listen, even when he rebukes you, Even when he thinks you've done wrong, it says it is his kindness that leads us to repentance. I've been rebuked a number of times, and it has been the most gentle of movements from the Holy Spirit. The only way he can speak is in a way that is tender and in a way that is kind Zephaniah 317 said the Lord your God is a mighty warrior who saves and he so delights in his people and that he rejoices over them with singing this is the way that our father talks to us he longs to respond to you tonight he longs to respond to your prayers tonight the second thing that I think we need to learn about God's voice is this is that God speaks good God speaks good, and I know you're like, that's not grammatically correct. It should be God speaks well, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> cool. But I need to make a point, so it's God speaks good, okay? At the creation of the world in Genesis 1, when God would speak, his voice had the power of creation. It still has the, it, his voice still creates, and it still has power to create he would utter a word and constellations would float out. He would like cough and like antelopes would gallop out, right? <laughs> and then he would say this about his, and then we are, I hope you know this, we are his crown of creation. He loves us so much. He's so he's so into us, for lack of a better word. And he would make each thing, and he would say, That's good. And that Hebrew word for good is unspeakable, joy. And he said, when he made humans, it is very good. I don't even even know what the Hebrew word is for that because it's so good. It's so good. And when we inquire of God, there are four ways that he responds to us. He either says yes. He says yes and so much more. He says, yes, but not yet. Or he says, no, I love you too much. Mm-hmm. Amen. And so you might be in here tonight and you might be like, God, are you with me tomorrow in my job? Are you going to be with me? And he's like, yes, son. Yes, of course I'm with you. Always with you. I'm going to be with you until the end of time. It is my pleasure. It is my joy. Or you might be in here and you might be praying, God, God, is this dream, is this ambition, is this ever going to come to And He says, yes, and so much more. Ephesians 3.20 is not a kitschy verse to put on mugs and then forget about as if it was some, like, worldly phrase that means nothing. This is my word and my promise. I will do immeasurably more than you could ever ask or you could ever imagine. This is my promise to you. Yes. Or you might say, God, am I going to get married? And he's like, Yes but not yet, and listen, as someone who has waited for many promises, can I just tell you that God knows the end from the beginning, and he knows the times and the epics, and he knows the perfect time to bring that yes to its fruition, and sometimes God says, no, I love you too much, and every time that God speaks, whether it's a yes, whether it's a yes and so much more, whether it's a yes but not yet, or whether it's a no, it is for your unspeakable joy. It is for the creation and the formation of your life to be even better than it was yesterday. It, was, it is so that you actually can um, feel life and experience life in a new and in a different way. So when he says yes, it is for your unspeakable joy. When he says yes and so much more, he's like, go, have an adventure, enjoy it for your unspeakable joy. This is my gift to you. This is I'm your father. When he says yes, but not yet, it is for your unspeakable joy. And when he says no, listen, it is for your unspeakable joy. I didn't know if I was going to tell this story or not, but I'm going to go for it. So here we go. So when I was in college, I was sure, sure. I was a prayerful woman, I loved God, I was called to ministry, and I was sure that God was going to have me marry this man that I was dating in college. I was sure. And throughout a series of conversations, he basically said a a number of things where he's like, I don't know that I know how to lead a woman like you. And I was like, what? I'm difficult? You know, like... (laughs) And I remembered lying in bed, and the pain was so obtuse, I thought my chest was going to cave in. And the day that he got married, this is a true story, it was a Sunday, was the day that I met my now husband. And the only way I know how to explain the difference between the two relationships is like black and white and technicolor. Like, it was like cool and unspeakable joy. And so can I tell you tonight, if you are feeling a no in your life, that that closed door is for your unspeakable joy, that that that, that no that feels so painful for you, it is for your unspeakable joy. Then when God says, ah, not yet, it is for your unspeakable joy. It is to build you up and to make your life. He is not like a human. Uh, He he gives good and perfect gifts, and he knows exactly how to install them to you. When God speaks, the only way he speaks is good. And God says this, and this is the last, last thing. God says, ask me anything. He says, ask me anything. In the New Testament, This word ask comes up a lot. In the New Testament, specifically the Gospels, Jesus tells parables, he tells stories, he gives commands about asking, and he does it fairly frequently. um, To give you some examples, it says this in Matthew 18, again I say to you, if any of you agree on earth and ask, it will be done for them um, by my Father in heaven. Matthew 21, verse 22, and whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. John 15, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. James 4, you do not have because you do not ask. I don't know what you're longing for tonight. I don't know what you're hoping for tonight. But that is not a trick verse. Maybe you have not because you don't ask for it. Maybe you haven't obtained it yet because you think you need to ask in a certain way. Maybe you haven't received it yet because you are too timid and too scared to come boldly to the throne of grace and to ask for what you want. But God says, ask me, ask me, ask me. I would love for you to bother me. I would love for you to knock on my door. I would love for you to be annoying to me. I would love for you to ask me. John 14, 14 says this, one of my favorite verses in scripture. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. (sighs) Ask me anything. Ask me anything. That's what he says. You can come with a super religious ask. You can come with a perfectly packaged ask. Or you can just ask. You can come with a really righteous ask. You can come with a super dumb ask. You just ask. You can come and you can ask for whatever you want because you serve a loving God who just wants to commune with you and would love to be bothered by you and longs to respond to you. Do we ask him anything, church? I think that God is probably wooing you tonight and he is hoping that you will ask him the question that is on your heart. I was thinking this week, what is the difference between like four-year-old Brooklyn, who just asks and and doesn't even think about it, and you know, like 17-year-old Jesse. And I think that the world and our flesh and sin and the devil want to make you think that in some way, shape, or form, you need to achieve and earn what you're asking for before you ask for it. And so I might be the only one in here tonight, but sometimes I come to God more like a beggar and less like a son or a daughter. I swear to you, sometimes my prayers are like, I'm cool with scraps, God, whatever you got left over. And I'm literally like, I have like taken theology classes and I've been a pastor for years and somewhere in my messed up brain, I think that he would be more honored by me having some religiously put-together, performance-based question, then he would then, I mean, just asking, because I'm his daughter. There's a story in Scripture, and it's found in all of the synoptics, and it's about a leper. And I think there's a difference for all of us in the room. You know, most of us can compute, like, yes, God loves me. But I think sometimes it's difficult for us to believe that God likes us. I think for most of us in the room, it is easy for us to feel like God's acceptance. We're like, yes, he has to accept me. He receives me. But it's different for us to feel his eternal approval. And I think for a whole bunch of us in here, we know that God is capable of doing miracles. We know that God is capable of fulfilling our asks. We know that God is absolutely able to do everything that we ask for or imagine. But I think there is a large part of our heart that wonders if he is willing like if he'd want to. And so this leopard comes to Jesus and, and, and he comes as a beggar. And he's been sick for years. He's, he hasn't been touched by a human hand in years. And his eyes are to the ground. And he just comes to Jesus and he just says, hey, um, so here's the deal. Um, I know you're busy and I know you're a busy man. And then he says this phrase. He said, but if you're willing, would you heal me? If you are willing... I know, and don't we come to God this like this way? I feel like He's echoing the heart of a generation. He's echoing the heart of a people where we're like, "Hey, I know you've got a lot going on, and I'm not the most perfect person in the world, and I'm actually pretty unworthy when you think about it, especially compared to a lot of people. And so, I don't actually even know if you'd want to do any of these things for me. Um, but if you are willing, and Jesus turns to him and he says this phrase, he says, "I am willing." And that word willing, I want to make sure I get this right. That word willing means to have in mind, to intend or to be resolved or determined to do. To desire, to wish, to love, to like to do a thing, to be fond of doing a thing, to take delight in doing a thing, to have pleasure in doing a thing. He comes to Jesus and he's like, surely, um, if you are willing. And Jesus said, I'd love to. I'd love to do that for you what would your prayers look like if you knew god delighted in your ask what would your prayers look like if you knew that he would love to respond to you you don't need to come religiously you don't need to come perfectly you don't need to come put together you don't need to come Packaged with a perfect way of asking. You don't need to stand up, sit down. You know, you don't need to do Hail Marys and make sure that she's cool with you communing with Jesus. You just need to ask. And there's a whole bunch of you in this room and you love God so much, but if you were honest, religiousness is killing you right now. And it is taking away your ability to have joy in life because you have no idea how to associate with a God who's so open and so free and so welcoming and so kind. You don't know how to talk with him because you're like, gosh, like every person that I know in life is nothing like this. And you're right. There isn't authority like this. There isn't a person like this. There isn't a parent like this. There is only one father that is this good and this kind and this gracious. He says, I am a loving father. And he says, which of you fathers, if you loved your kids, you know, and they asked for an egg, you'd give them a scorpion. And he's like, that is so messed up. Like, no human father would do that. Or if he did, he'd be terrible, right? Or if your kid asked for a puppy, you'd give him a cat. Like, it's like, no. <laughs> it's like a bad gift. And he's like, how much more? Well, your Father in heaven, God would love to associate with you tonight as a a daughter or as a son, not as a beggar. And some of you need to shed those layers tonight. And so if everybody could stand in here. We're about to take communion. And I have been rocked by the cross yet again this week. The grace and the mercy of God on my life and on your life. God so loved you, church. He so loved me. He wanted to only have joy with us. He wanted to only commune in a way that was loving and in a way that was kind and in a way that was good. He wanted to only be with us in a way that he originally intended, which was this perfect communion where he could be with us and we could be with him. And because of sin, he wasn't able to do that any longer. And he loved us so much that he sent his only son to die in our place, that his wrath would be saturated and that his anger would be saturated so that you and I now, the mercy of the good news, the grace of the good news. There's no news like this, church. It is complete freedom and utter goodness and utter joy. And it's free. You did nothing to earn it and you can't do anything to earn it from here on out. And we're about to take communion tonight and as you take communion, I would love for you to do God the honor of asking him for what you want. Do him the justice of asking him for what you want. Don't hide your heart, don't hide your longings, don't hide your feelings any longer. He let his son die on a cross so that he could commune with you. as we take communion, we just say, God, thank you so much. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you're gracious. Thank you that you're kind. Thank you that you receive me. You approve me always that your voice never stops being kind to me, that your voice never stops being generous to me. And as we take communion, there's three tables up front. There's one table in the back and we just say, God, thank you so much. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just have one question in here. And it's this, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, I love God the Father and I love His Son. I'm obsessed with His Son. He lived a perfect life. He did miracles and wonders. He was nothing but gracious and humble. He was everything that you could ever want in a person for a friend. And He got up on a cross and He died to be with you. And so if you are in here, And you would love, he's been wooing you. He's been leading you into the wilderness. He's been speaking tenderly to you. And you would love to meet Jesus for the very first time. Would you just raise your hand nice and high tonight? Nice and high. I know it's scary, but he's been speaking to you. And you just know, raise your hand nice and high to receive him for the very first time. Amen. I see you. Amen. I see you. God, we thank you. God, we thank you that we can ask you for anything that there's no barriers, that there's no, it's just grace. And God, we ask tonight that your fatherhood would reign in this place, that you would show us who you are as our dad, as our king as our friend, and God, as we take communion, we thank you that you did all of this because you just wanted perfected communion with us, that you could be with us and speak with us and talk to us the way that you longed to talk to us. Your voice is sure, your voice is kind, and your voice is clear, and we hear you tonight. We praise you in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.